This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hola, bienvenidos, buongiorno, welcome one and all to a brand spanking new, freshly baked out the oven with crispy edges, a delicious new episode of the Low Life Podcast. I'm your flaming hot and spicy, seasonally depressed, white wine drinking, flaming hot Cheeto finger licking, dick sucking, <laughs> hot mess of a host, <laughs> Lorenzo von Rumpf. I'm so happy to be here with you today. There is no place I'd rather be than right here with my beautiful kings and queens. I hope you're having a great day so far. You're feeling good this week. But if you're not feeling good right now, if you're feeling stressed, overwhelmed, really anxious, depressed, I mean, all of the above, don't you worry, boo-boo. Don't you fret. You have come to the right place. We're about to turn that frown upside down. We got a great show in store for you today. Oh, this is going to be a really good one, especially for your mental health. This is one of those shows that feels like a free therapy session for you. You're going to learn so much from this one. I like to change things up here at the Low Life Podcast. If you're new to this show, if you're just joining us, hello, welcome, puta. You've come to the right place. (laughs) This show covers a wide variety of topics from interesting guests, thought leaders, entrepreneurs. We talk about sex, drugs, music, documentaries, a little bit of everything. And of course, mental health, which is so freaking important. And so this week's episode, I'm really excited for this psychiatrist to come on. And speaking of mental health, before we get into this week's episode, let me rate my mental health on a scale of one to 10, one being a clearance bin at your local Target or Kohl's, or for my Canadians, my little Canadian Maple Delights, a clearance bin at your local Hudson Bay. Do they have a clearance area there? I don't know. (laughs) That would be a one. A 10 is going to be a Nordstrom's, Bloomingdale's, a Neiman Marcus. There's fragrances. It smells good. It's clean. They vacuum all the time. Everything's nicely folded, a bit overpriced, but it's a luxury experience going to some of these fancy schmancy department stores. So that would be a 10. And so on that scale, I'm going to rate myself a solid eight out of 10 right now, which would be like an Aritzia for me. I'm feeling like your local Aritzia, which is the perfect store to describe where I'm at mental health wise, because I'm never disappointed with Aritzia. Sometimes there's some really cute pieces, but I know I will always get some solid basics there. Basics for my clients, a cute coat, a nice little tank. I like a matching set. Anyway, I'm feeling like your local Aritzia. Solid 8 out of 10. And there are some factors that have contributed to this 8 out of 10. First one up is the fact that I've actually been working on getting some sleep and drinking water. Two very important things. But the most important thing for me this week has been family. Surrounding myself with family. I had the queen's birthday. Feliz cumpleaños to my Pisces putas out there. You know, I love my fishy people, my fishy kings and queens. Happy birthday to my Pisces peeps. So this year for my mama's birthday, I wanted to do something just very special, something that's never been done before, which is surprise her. She's never been surprised in her life. I mean, my dad said he's never been able to pull one off on her, which makes sense considering she's the planner of the family. She's the one who's always getting shit done. And so she knows what's going on with everyone, where everyone's at. Like, she's the one who makes shit happen. And so to pull one over on her is really difficult. But mission accomplished. So I didn't want to surprise her with an actual surprise party because I think she would hate that. So she knew she was going to have a nice dinner, but she thought it was just going to be like five or six of us, pretty intimate. I was coming from a photo shoot, so it was going to be a bit later. 
And I just made it seem like, oh, we'll have dinner, but it's not that big of a deal. And we'll just keep it easy breezy, lemon squeezy. And it was for the most part. She just didn't know that I was flying in my cousins and her goddaughter and my nephew. And they would all be there to celebrate with her, which typically would never happen because they usually only come out for Christmas, like Christmas, Thanksgiving, that sort of thing. And so to get them to fly out in March for her birthday was a big undertaking considering they all have full-time jobs and sometimes it's hard to get time off and traveling and, you know, that sort of thing. But I wanted that to be her gift because my mama loves family. That's the most important thing to her, family. And so I flew five people, her nieces and nephews that are like kids to her. They're basically siblings to me. Flew them in to Orange County, put them up in an Airbnb because they couldn't go to her house because then she would know they were there. I wanted it to be a surprise. And so they all went to the Airbnb. And the way I coordinated it all to go down was I told my mom that I needed my dad to help me for a photo shoot, which was true. I just didn't need him for the whole day. But I was like, I need dad to be with me on set. The reason why I wanted him on set, quote unquote, was because I needed him to go do airport pickups and drop offs. And so he was busy doing that while I was at the photo shoot. And then we all met up after my shoot and then went to the house to surprise my mama. And so I walked into her house after my shoot by myself. And I said, hey, queen, how's your day? And she's like, it was good. And I was telling her about my shoot. And I told her I was going to spend the night since the next day would be her birthday dinner. And so I said, I'm just going to spend the night here so that I can get up early and start cooking and cleaning and doing all the flowers. And, oh, I threw it down in the food department. It was amazing. I did an Italian spread, a charcuterie board, a baked ziti. I did a pesto penne pasta, which was freaking delicious. A bunch of appetizers and stuff that I catered from a restaurant she loves. And I baked cupcakes and a cheesecake. Like, I was a lot. <laughs> so much that I was doing for this one. But I wanted it to be a really special birthday. And she was a bit thrown that I was there to spend the night. She's like, it's not that big of a deal. We're just having a small dinner for five of us. So she didn't know it was going to be 16 people that showed up for her birthday. So I was talking to her and I was waiting for her to leave the room at some point, whether to go upstairs to get her charger or hopefully she would go to the bathroom or something would happen where she would leave the living room area so I could sneak everybody in who was waiting outside, all my cousins who had just flown in to see her. And so that perfect moment came right where she had to pee. And so when she went into the bathroom, I ran outside and I was like, everybody move, move, come on in. And so everybody ran downstairs into the TV room because I knew after she went pee, she was going to go downstairs and watch Dateline or some crime show or something. And so it would be perfect for everybody to be in the TV room downstairs. And there's like the way you turn the corner, like you can't see people as you walk downstairs. But anyway, it worked out perfect. She just about had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> she saw everybody. Oh, my God. And I know she wanted to kill me because, like, she got comfortable. Like, she took her bra off. She had her hair in a little chunga. Like, she wasn't feeling all glamorous. Like, she was about to just chill and watch a show. And so she walked around the corner, and boom, everybody was there. And she screamed. <laughs> she screamed. And then the scream was followed by tears and lots of hugs and pure joy. And let me just tell you this much. That moment of my mom being completely surprised and overwhelmed and just surrounded by love and people that care so much for her, the closest people, just a tight-knit circle of people who flew in to be there for her, her family. It meant everything to her, and it was, hands down, top three moments in my life. I loved it. I was so emotional just watching it unfold. It was oh, a lot to get to that point to make it happen, but we pulled it off, and it was absolutely beautiful and hilarious. So I want to play the audio. This is my mom being surprised, and so... 
<laughs> she would hate that I'm playing this right now. I want a little context for you. She says, you yell and bitch. She was talking to my dad, who was like bitching about something like, oh, not you bought too many flowers or I don't know, something I did, something I bought. I spent too much money or had too many flowers. Who knows? My dad was just bitching about something. So she was talking to him on the phone while walking downstairs into the TV room. And so this is how it went down. You'll love this. You yell and bitch. the sweetest moment she almost had a heart attack <laughs> could you imagine i killed the queen killed the queen on her birthday oh my god nightmare no <laughs> thank god she didn't have an actual heart attack but uh, i was worried about it for a second because like it really just surprised the hell out of her shocked her actually so <laughs> it was the sweetest most beautiful moment and it ended up being just a really nice dinner we had food drinks like that's what you need for a good party as long as you have Good food, good drinks, amazing playlists of music. We had all the old school bangers playing. Some Selena Quintanilla, some Earth, Wind & Fire. Good company. Like, that's all you need. And it was an amazing birthday weekend. I was exhausted. Oh, I'm just spent. <laughs> I didn't sleep much that weekend because I was with my family. And yeah, we were having a good time. I'll end up doing an episode on party planning. If you guys are down for that, let me know in the review section of Apple Podcasts because there's so much that goes into planning a party and my mom has been grooming me for years, <laughs> grooming me, teaching me. I've been watching her for the last 30 years throw events. And she's the one who always does every major holiday and all the parties and stuff. And I know through watching her that there's a few things she does to save money or get the look for less, like designer dupe sort of thing. And so I've learned so much, then also made a bunch of mistakes along the way as I've come into my own with hosting people and party planning and, and doing the whole event thing. And so... Yeah, I've learned a lot along the way. I don't have it all figured out, but I do have some great tips and tricks. So if you're down for that, let me know in the review section of Apple Podcasts, and I'll end up doing a whole episode on party planning, events, gifts, like that sort of thing. That'd be fun. Let me know. All right, so let's get into this week's episode. A little bit about our guest, Dr. Alex Wills. He's a board-certified psychiatrist. He graduated from Sackler School of Medicine. He completed his residency and fellowship training in Hawaii with additional training from Columbia University. He is the owner of Perma Mental Health, which is a private psychiatric practice with offices across Idaho. He is a best-selling author, and that's what he's here to talk about today. This book that he wrote, it's called Give a Fuck Actually, Reclaim Yourself with the Five Steps of Radical Emotional Acceptance. So I know about the art of not giving a fuck, but I wasn't familiar with this approach and I wasn't too familiar with radical emotional acceptance and what he meant by that. And so 
Today's episode really feels like a free therapy session. That's what I wanted to give my low lifers because we all need a little mental health upgrade once in a while. And so that's what you're going to get from today's show. We talk about radical emotional acceptance, what it actually is, and why having it is crucial to having actual peace in your life. We talk about prescriptions. We talk about breakups, partner breakups in an intimate relationship, but also breakups within friendships. Friendship breakups can be a lot harder than breakups with even somebody you're dating. We also talk about villainizing people after a breakup or people who have wronged us. We can make them the villain, and it is a coping mechanism. But he breaks down why we actually do it, and he explains why it's okay to do at times. I'm somebody who compartmentalizes my emotions a lot. I'll put them in a specific box, and I'll deal with that shit later. I don't know if that's necessarily the healthiest thing. And after today's conversation, we explore why that might not be the best option. And we break it down today how compartmentalizing something right now And like storing it away for later could actually do more harm than good in the long run. This episode is great, especially for those out there, me being one of them, who has a don't give a fuck approach a lot of times. Like I try not to let things bother me. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need to deal with that. Or I'm not going to let that affect me, even though it actually does. But I want to suppress that. I've been working on not doing that. But a lot of times in the real world, someone says something hurtful to you or someone's mean to you or does something to offend you or whatever it could be, but it hurts or affects us to some extent or throws us off for game or could ruin our day. And so when those situations happen, I know society for the most part is like, you just can't let things affect you. You need to let things roll off you. Life is too short. And yeah, for a lot of things, sure, that makes sense. You got to just let it roll off of you. But sometimes it's okay to actually feel it. And it's okay to give an actual fuck. And so that's what we're talking about today. Giving a fuck, being in tune with your emotions, dealing with relationships, trauma, breakups, just navigating life in a healthier way. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's very informative episode with Dr. Alex Wills. Hit it. First question up, I just want to ask, as a psychiatrist, how is your mental health today? Or this week, let's rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 would be a clearance bin at your local Kohl's. It's looking shitty. 10 is euphoric bliss. Where are you this week? Thanks for having me on. And wow, that's a great unexpected question to start with. I I would say I'm doing pretty well. I'd say maybe like an 8 out of 10. Damn. My main emotion is relief. I'm coming out of a challenging season and things are getting a lot better. So relief is in the air. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to hear that. You're feeling good right now. So your practice is Perma Mental Health and that's located in Boise. Right. And so do you ever do telehealth? Is that a big part of your business right now? Yeah. Especially since COVID, they kind of opened up the floodgates and now a lot of people opt into telehealth because it's so convenient and they just kind of got used to it. And it also helps us to reach people out in the rural areas and the boonies, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk about your book. I was interested in it because, okay, there's a lot to unpack here with you, King. First things first, when it comes to different forms of of self-help, there's some people who aren't into self-help. I actually love it. I'm always down for some self-improvement. But I remember this was a while ago, but I had read The Art of Not Giving a Fuck, Mark Manson, who wrote that. And I remember just reading that and being like, wow, this was an interesting take. It was a no bullshit type of approach. 
the way he writes is very similar into how he speaks, I assume. And so it was just like real cut to the chase, sort of a take on the way that we can handle emotions. And a takeaway that I had from that book was when it comes to your emotions, there are some that we can be in control of and there's others that we simply can't. Like, for example, if I wanted to be famous, someone out there who's like, oh God, I want to be famous and they're worried about that or, or wanting to be the popular kid in school or something that's not actually tangible or there in the driver's seat. His whole thing is just let that go and just work on the feelings that you actually can be in control of and focus your energies on that because you're going to just deplete yourself if you're worrying about things that you're really not in the driver's seat of. And so as someone who worries a lot, I was like, I like that approach. And, and sometimes it is nice to not give a fuck. But then on the other side, the flip side, now I'm talking to you and you're saying, you know what? Sometimes you do need to give a fuck or always <laughs> give an actual fuck when it comes to things in life, your emotions. And I've looked at your book, which is great. And so in reading it, I was like, okay, this is something that's focused. This whole, I guess, premise of this feels a lot like avoiding suppression, mm -hmm. stop suppressing feelings and be okay in your feelings. And it's okay to embrace them. We're conditioned by society to suppress so much and compartmentalize. I'm the king of compartmentalization. <laughs> I'm the king of putting things in boxes and just getting to it later or never talking about it. Right. And so I would like to get your take on one, don't give a fuck. And then how you got to the place where you're going to write this book or, you know, release it into the world. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And I did like the Mark Manson book, you know, and nobody really disagrees with the premise of let's focus on what's really important in life and not, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Let's choose what we do give a fuck about and what we don't give a fuck about. However, the way it dealt with emotional suppression was pretty unhealthy. So I kind of nicknamed it the subtle art of gaslighting yourself because by trying to tell yourself that you should have certain emotions that you can pick and choose and not have emotions that you don't want to have, it's not really a true statement. Because by the time that you tell yourself, you know what, I'm just not going to give a fuck, you've already given one. So we should just embrace the fact that emotions are always happening in real time. And that doesn't have to be a problem. We don't have to make it a problem. And we can learn to access this wealth of emotional data and wisdom. Mm, sit with it for a bit. Embrace yeah. the fucks. In your book, you talk about there are five different steps, right? I would love for you to talk me through them because in the way that you referred to, which I wasn't familiar with that particular phrase of like radical emotional acceptance, radical emotional acceptance. And so you break it down into five parts and I'd love for you to kind of talk me through that because I'm, I'm down to accept some shitty feelings and sit with it. This is going to be a bit of a psychiatry session too. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The subtitle is Reclaim Yourself with the Five Steps of Radical Emotional Acceptance. And what I did is I took this concept of radical acceptance that a lot of us are familiar with, and I applied it specifically to emotions. Because a lot of the time we're trying to radically accept the situation. However, we do that as a way to try to bypass our emotions, try to avoid the unpleasant emotions, try to fix the emotions or work through them. So this is a specific way to do the opposite, which is to embrace all of those so-called negative emotions and see how they're really our best friends trying to help us. So if someone is feeling like complete shit, they had some sort of an argument with a colleague at work because you can go home. I would learn to and taught myself to just let that go and compartmentalize it, don't deal with it because that's at work. It's something I'm, I'm not in the driver's seat of that, let it go. But you as my psychiatrist would say, you know what, Lo, don't just let that go, sit with it for a bit, process it out. 
it, it doesn't have to take a long time to go through the, the steps. For example, if we want to just name those emotions, something at work happened and you have some emotions come up, you might have anger. Behind the anger, there might be some disappointment, some hurt, some sadness. It takes less than 10 seconds just to acknowledge that and to accept that that happened. And then you can decide what to do with that. You can go about your day. You can you know, spend some more time trying to decide what to do because of that. But suppressing is going to you know, not really fix the problem. Those emotions don't go anywhere. And it's just going to take more energy and sort of mental gymnastics to try to pretend that you don't give a fuck when you actually do. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I mean, we are conditioned to, to stop caring as much. It's like a thing with both men and women, just to kind of like, don't worry about it as much or, you know what, like, don't sweat the small stuff. But I mean, with you and what you're saying, it, it actually is nice to kind of sit with it for a bit, even if it is just 10 seconds, feel it in the moment. And then, but even like processing it out. So I'm someone, and I'm sure I have listeners who are dealing with this shit too. I'm an overprocessor at times. I overanalyze. And when I do allow myself to sit with that little 10 second awkward moment, it's not 10 seconds for me. Sometimes it will be fucking 10 hours because I can't let it go. And I I don't know if you've ever had the situation where like you have some sort of a disagreement or whatever altercation in your life. And I've had this happen where I have to process it out. And usually my one confidant is my mom, the queen. So I'll talk to her or a therapist (laughs) and talk it out with that person. But At times, I remember feeling like, oh, God, I'm a broken record. Like, I can't let this go. And I have to keep just talking about it and just kind of working through it. And I don't know if that's necessarily the healthiest thing to do. So I'm like, oh, God, like sometimes (laughs) to give a fuck makes me a little nervous because I won't stop giving a fuck. Right. And it is very counterintuitive. An important step in the process is separating out the emotion from the feeling And I define these emotions as just the raw, pure, visceral emotions that you notice in your body. You might notice it in your tummy, in your chest. You might have tension in your neck muscles or something. And you don't really need to explain why to just name those emotions such as sadness or fear or hate or disgust or joy, whatever they may be. But when we add on a story to it, then it becomes a feeling. And all of a sudden, these emotions have an explanation and we're rationalizing and we can get stuck in this processing, which can just kind of go on ad infinitum. And so the alternative to that is to realize when we're doing that and we're ruminating about it and trying to think it out, we're often trying to fix the emotion. It's another way to suppress the emotion or work through it, try to resolve it so that we don't have that uncomfortable emotion. When we realize that we don't have to do that, the emotion itself is not a problem and we can just rest in that painful, uncomfortable, unpleasant emotion and realize that it's feeling exactly how it feels because it's giving us some truth. It's giving us some very useful emotional data. And then you can go back to a state of peace and use that wisdom to make the best decision instead of trying to avoid it or medicate it away or something. Medicated away. Oh, God. Yeah. Just pop a lorazepam (laughs) and call it a day. I mean, as a psychiatrist, I mean, for you, I mean, obviously you prescribe meds. There's a benefit to them. But is that usually your go-to at first? I just have to ask because I had a psychiatrist at one time. I've had wonderful psychiatrists and then some that wanted to put me on a lot of meds. They were quick to prescribe. Right. And even I was like just going through grieving, the grieving process. And I had gone to a psychiatrist just to work through that. 
And I ended up going on, not Zoloft, it was some sort of an antidepressant. I can't remember the name of it, but it really fucked up my system and I didn't feel great on it. And so I know it could be beneficial for some people. Of course, I get that. But in your practice, your philosophy, what's your approach to dealing with patients who could be going through trauma or wanting to process things with you? Like, do you usually advocate for some meds? Well, I swallowed a psychotherapy pill in my training in Hawaii, and I became addicted to all of the different psychotherapy, talk therapy modalities, you know. So that's really my preference and my passion. I'm not very eager to put folks on meds, especially if they don't really need to be on something. It is one of the you know options in the toolbox if they really would benefit from something, if they really want to be on something. But if they wanted to work through things, talking it out, doing different talk therapy stuff, then to me, that's great. Absolutely. Talking it through. When you talk about the different steps in your book, they're by chapters. So there's listen to the fuck, act on the fuck, thank the fuck. Right. And so those are three steps to get to the point of being okay in a situation, you know, or handling your emotions, actually not suppressing it. I mean, there's a lot of conflict avoiders out there too. So two questions for you. First one, in your practice, you've had so many patients. There's a lot of experience that you've had in this particular industry. Have you noticed that more people are confrontational and want to handle the problem and just face it head on? Or do you deal with more people who are conflict avoiders by nature? That's a, that's a good question. I'd say there's probably a good mix of both types for sure. Okay. And I don't know if one's necessarily healthier than the other. Does I mean, I guess they have pros and cons to each. Yeah. And when it comes to emotions, the person that even might be more confrontational trying to address problems straightforward, that can also be used as sort of a tricky way of trying to suppress emotions. For example, trying to just fix it. You know, a lot of guys will be into, you know, just trying to fix the problem so that the painful, annoying emotions go away. So just what do I need to do to fix it? Or let's talk it out. But that also can be unhealthy when we're glossing over the true, deep, intense, painful emotions that are going on underneath. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. When you talk about listen to the fuck, act on the fuck. So can we just go with like some sort of scenario right now and we can talk through this, implying listen, act and thank it? Because you use fictional characters in your book, right? just to give an example. But I would love to kind of walk through that with you right now, just so people could understand it. Absolutely. Okay, so I don't know, we'll give a scenario, a bad break or even a friend breakup which is a lot of people have experienced that most, I would say. And so feeling heartbroken, it's not ending on good terms. I'm going to use myself in this example. I'm fucking just devastated. I had a horrible breakup, doctor. And I'm so upset this person's not texting me back. I've been ghosted and uh, we had a blow up fight and it's been now over a week with no communication and I can't stop thinking about it and I'm a hot mess. Okay. So that's such a great scenario. I I think it's very relatable. Most of us have been through something like that. So starting with step one, which is to drop the fuck shield. So I imagine you have a lot of anger going on because you know, your friend is not being a very good friend, right? Yeah. And so we recognize that there's that anger and we can think of that as a shield emotion or another defense mechanism might be humor, rationalizing, trying to intellectualize and trying to, you know, make it all go away by just thinking our way out of it instead of recognizing that, no, there is that anger. And step two is after we drop the fuck shield, we want to look at what's behind it. And so you use the term devastating, right? So there's some devastating, painful emotions. What would be the other emotions in step two that you would name? Just to name them without explaining why. 
Yeah, devastating, embarrassed, maybe feel a little bit of guilt, like I have some part in it, a little bit of shame and sadness. Okay, that's great. We've all experienced those emotions. And I imagine the level of intensity might be pretty steep because this was an important relationship and this just happened. Yeah. You know, we want to name the emotions, notice the intensity of them. And just in those first two steps, it's already very validating to be heard by another human being like, oh, wow, that's these are my real emotions. This is my truth. And this is the intensity of those emotions. And that that in itself is already making some progress because a lot of us don't even get that far. We're just like, nope, I'm not going to feel bad. I'm going to avoid it somehow. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then at the end of it, when you say thank the fuck... Is that just being like appreciating, showing gratitude for the ability to even have those emotions and feelings? That's a great point because you don't really need to do the steps in order. It's kind of like the stages of grief. It's okay to kind of bounce around a little bit. But yeah, that final step, which is thank the fuck. If you can find true, sincere gratitude for those emotions somehow, then there's no longer a problem. So in the case of profound sadness, of course, who wants to be sad? That sounds awful. However, when somebody dies, somebody passes away, or you go through a horrible breakup, or you lose a friend, there's corresponding painful, intense sadness. And, and that's a good thing because that's a true thing. And it's corresponding to how much you loved that person, how much you missed them, how your life is now somewhat different and somewhat empty without them. And so your emotional wisdom is, is telling you this, this matters and this hurts for a reason. It's, it's telling me some truth about my relationships. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little bit more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I'm excited to have Nutrafol as a sponsor because I use it. I love it. I'm a big fan of this company. I've noticed a big difference in my skin, nails, hair. Even my sleep has improved since I started taking this. Now I have the queen taking it too, and it has been a game changer for her hair. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. I love me a good edible moment. I talk about it all the time on this show. And so I was so excited that Via became a sponsor of the Low Life Podcast. Oh, this is a dream partnership because I love their edibles. They're so delicious. And they're coming on right in time for Valentine's Day. Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. We're talking about pairing aphrodisiac herbs with a mild amount of THC. Their best-selling High Love gummy will awaken your senses, increases the blood flow, and intensifies any sexual experience, even if it's a solo experience. It's going to be amazing with this gummy. The strawberry-flavored one is my favorite. They're vegan. Organic ingredients are used. They have zero THC products as well. So if you're not down for THC, that's okay, boo. Their CBD line is amazing too, which is really great for sleep, focus, and energy. 
Their products range from 2 milligrams to 50 milligrams of THC, so there's definitely something for everybody. My favorite part about this sponsor is that they ship to all 50 states legally with discreet packaging directly to your door. It makes it so easy breezy for you. No medical card required. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code LOWLIFE to receive 15% off plus one free sample of their Sleepy Dreams gummies. 21 and over. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code LOWLIFE at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. I'm all about leveling up with my low lifers this year. As a fashion stylist, the first place I want to start, of course, is leveling up your closet. But I don't want you to break the bank. You don't got to spend a lot of money, honey. Design on a dime, boo. You can still elevate your closet on a budget. We want you to save some money here. So I'm happy to have Quince as a sponsor. They are here for us. They're going to take good care of us. At Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at affordable prices. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Oh, they're amazing. I bought these beautiful silk pillowcases for my bed. I got a cute jacket, a cozy cashmere cardigan, and navy blue joggers I'm obsessed with. These are staple pieces for my closet that will not go out of style, and I was able to save some money. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash lowlife for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash lowlife to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash lowlife. Sometimes I think when it comes to breakups, as opposed to losing someone as a death, I rather my ex just die because (laughs) it sounds so morbid, but it's a bit easier to understand losing somebody because... I'm going to the funeral. I get it. They're gone. And I can sit with that and process the grief. But losing a relationship, a breakup, a friendship or something is a different kind of death because they're still alive. You're going to see them on social media. So in your experience, like maybe it is a bit more difficult or am I just morbid? I can totally relate to that because they're out there. They're still alive. They're still kicking and they're not with you. So it's like insult to injury. And that hurts even more. It's very true. Yeah, I get it. I wanted to ask you about villainizing people. I know when it comes to losing a relationship, a breakup, or any sort of conflict with friends, and let's say a friendship or whatever ends, just kind of based on that scenario we just gave, a lot of times we villainize people. I've done it. Oh, that person, she's such a bitch. She's evil. She's manipulative. And maybe all those things do apply in my experience with that particular person. But That doesn't make them necessarily an evil person. But why is it that we do that as humans? I know I'm not the only one to villainize. And I'll hear, even with people that I'm going to work with, I'm a stylist. I do red carpet styling. Sometimes I get some tea spilled on clients like, oh, this person is a fucking nightmare. Good luck. (laughs) Like, they're the worst. They're always in a bad mood or whatever. And the person I'm going into it with them having this villain persona But I just notice it so much in all different types of industries and all relationships. I think that's how people end up getting terrible reputations. And so I'd love to get your take on that because it happens so much. I've been someone who's been villainized and I've done it to other people too. And I'm trying to cut that shit out. But I'd love to get your thoughts and perspective on it. Yeah, it's a it's a very powerful coping technique if you think about it. Because if you can make this other person into the villain, the bad guy then you feel more justified in in your stance. And it also gives you a channel of some kind of meaning to explain the level of hurt that you likely felt 
because you know there's there's motivation there to villainize this person to to make them the bad guy. So it can sometimes be a trait or a sign of certain personality types and traits too. If it's sort of taken to an extreme level, or you know, if this is happening in all of our relationships all of the time, so we might want to look into some personality issues. But I think it's a very common, normal thing to happen when you have some kind of a big conflict when you're hurt very badly. And we temporarily do see the world with cognitive distortions. If somebody's hurt us or we've had a breakup or we felt like we've been wronged in some way, we may temporarily see that person as the villain or, or worse than they really are. And hopefully as we have time to validate the emotions underneath that and go into those vulnerable emotions of hurt and pain and maybe envy maybe guilt, whatever those emotions are coming up within us, that's our pathway back to reality where we might see them more clearly as maybe not such a villain. Maybe, yeah, they did something wrong, but they also have good parts too. And it's a way to get back to ourselves by getting in tune with our own emotional compass instead of avoiding those painful emotions by just pointing the finger at them. Yeah. Well, for me, the only way that I've been able to get to that point was I remember just with my ex, for example, one of my exes, villainized the hell out of this guy. He was the devil, reincarnate, born of the jackal when we <laughs> broke up. I was he's the worst. And he, he, there was elements of him that were terrible in the relationship. But now that's it, been, you know, over 5 years and I look back at that relationship and I'm like, well, he was going through a lot and hurt people do hurt people and not that I'm making excuses for him, but he was in a dark place and and hadn't worked through a lot of stuff. And I've had more compassion in the lens that I view that relationship through. But I've only been able to get that with a bit of time and reflection. I was hoping I could get there, you know, two to three weeks after the breakup and just get to a peaceful place. It took me a couple years to get there. And so <laughs> for some people, I guess yeah. the timeline, it could be a, a bit lengthy. It just depends on the situation, I guess. Exactly. And and we're all different. It takes, you know, time to kind of process those things for sure. And and by the way, I know I'm supposed to be talking about the book for this, but since you are a stylist, yeah, yeah. I very recently, for the very first time, had a beard shaping. And so mm. I wanted to get your take and see if you had any thoughts. Because this is the very first time I had a professional beard shaping done. I've oh, never really? done this before. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done this before. <laughs> this is a first time thing. Do you usually have a full because it's like beautifully sculpted right now? I think it looks fantastic. Oh, thanks. Oh, yeah. Beautiful, nice, well kept beard. Like, are you someone who would want it a bit more like full, unruly nature man vibes? I've actually usually had a very like a shortcut sort of trimmed beard. And so as this book was coming out, I just decided to, you know, no shave November just kind of never ended for me. So this is a bit of a new thing. The fact that you could actually grow a full, beautiful beard like that is a gift, King. Just because I have so many clients of mine, myself included, I'll get like a patch here that doesn't grow in. And so I have to kind of fill it. There's like a like a brown mascara you could buy. But yeah, keep the beard. It looks great. And I'm all about sculpting, you know, keeping it nicely trimmed. It just also just frames the face better. So I'm a fan of that in general. I think you should always just kind of keep it nice and trimmed. A plus and keep on sculpting the beard. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. I, I had to make the most of this opportunity to speak with you because yeah. <laughs> you know I, I value what you say. So thank you. I also wanted to ask you, when it comes to this book, the catalyst for writing it, was it because of the Don't Give a Fuck book? And you were like, hold up, there's some takeaways from that, but also some information that's not the most useful or beneficial. Was that really the straw that broke the camel's back for you? That was like, okay, I, I should write something. 
I have I have about 40 books in my head floating around. And this was the topic I felt the most passionate about at the time. And it kind of coalesced. I think I was writing on radical emotional acceptance. And the thought of being kind of a response book to the subtle art of not giving a fuck just sort of fit really well. And I actually reread that book and I had this conversation with it as I was going through it. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah, I don't know about that. And that actually helped me to kind of develop a lot of the the teaching points in my book. I love it. When it comes to dealing with emotions, what would you say for someone who struggles with processing their feelings? And I mean, I recommend therapy. If you can get to a therapist, find one. I mean, it's so beneficial. It's helped me tremendously in my own personal life. And so I love advocating for therapy. But some people out there either don't have the resources, you know, they can't afford it. They don't have insurance. Like there's a lot of factors that come into play. And for the person who doesn't have access to a therapist, when they're approaching emotions, difficult times in their life, just because I have you here, what would you say to that person advice-wise on wanting to handle it in the most healthiest way possible with it stacked against them because they don't have access to go to a therapist? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And you know, I wrote the book with the hope that if we can help people to have a better relationship with their own emotions, no matter where they're at, no matter what they're doing, obviously we can't replace professional therapy with a licensed provider. And we encourage everybody to get that if they can, if they need it. However, the fictionalized characters in the book are designed in such a way to hopefully help you find yourself in the pages to, to find relatable emotions, relatable scenarios, and to apply it where the rubber meets the road. And so that these five acceptances or the five steps become real because that, that's the joy and, and the fun of therapy is you take these concepts just kind of floating out there in these lessons or whatever, but you make them real in the patient's life where the rubber meets the road so that they can experience and you, you kind of coach them into thinking and relating to their own emotions in a different way. And when they start to experience, wow, life can be different. Life can be so much easier when I'm not suppressing emotions all the time. Then you get you know chills down your spine. You notice those things happening. Are most of these feelings that we're getting issues that we have, stuff that triggers us, do you think, just in your professional opinion, that most of it stems from your childhood, those adolescent years, those formative years? Is it all pretty much like inner child work that's happening here? There often is some kind of a root. You know, when we have our early childhood development, there's just certain stages we go through. And if we weren't in a perfectly nurturing environment and we have some kind of emotional wounds or emotional trauma, or we didn't get to really experience this sense of safety, we can carry that with us and we can, you know, see that lived out in different patterns in our relationships in our life. And it's such a varied manifestation. And that, that, that's also why I love the field too, because every single person that I talk to, it's a completely unique mystery to kind of figure out what's going on with them. Oh, yeah. It's a, yeah, I love it. I mean, you as a researcher too probably get so excited to really unpack what the person could be going through. I know a lot of trauma does stem from a childhood and, and who had a perfect childhood really though? Even if you have the most loving parents, there's still some shit that you're going to have to work through no matter what. No one gets right. it perfect. But there was a phrase that I heard. This is from Lori Gottlieb. She's a psychologist. I had her on the show and she said, it's never too late to have a good childhood. And I love that because I guess you're right. It is never too late to, to start over in a way or to rewrite some of those past traumas. I like that. 
You know, an example that comes to mind is I, I had what I would consider a pretty, you know, great childhood, loving mom, loving dad, all that jazz. And even though, you know, they did their best to support me and all of that kind of stuff. One example, I happened to feel a bit sad one day. I don't know why I was maybe seven years old. And I went out in the backyard and I saw my dad doing some yard work and I just kind of wanted to be around him. And as I approached him, he could tell I was sad. And he looked over and he said, stop moping around. You got to buck up. (laughs) And this wasn't like a horrible traumatic event. However, I wanted to be like my dad and I wanted my dad to, to like me. And so I was getting the message that if you feel sad, don't come around me. You need to act happy. It's not okay to be sad. You need to put on the appearance that you're okay and let people know that everything's fine. And so that was the message I got as a seven-year-old. And I'm like, well, if I want my dad to like me, if I want to follow his advice and, and be accepted in my family, then I need to fake it. And I, I, need to, I can't let people know if I'm not feeling happy. And so just little things like that can carry through. And then that can translate into so many permutations in your, the rest of your life if you don't recognize and address the emotional suppression that's going on. Is your New Year's resolution to find time-saving solutions so you can spend less time doing things like grocery shopping and more time with your little one? As a busy parent, I'm always looking for products and brands that will make my life easier. What is one change that's easy to make that will make your life easier in 2024? Little Spoon. Little Spoon delivers fresh, healthy meals and snacks that your kiddo will love for every eating stage. Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid delivered right to your door. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Time-saving and convenient without compromise. Little Spoon delivers baby blends, biteables, plates, smoothies, snacks, and lunchers. Kids love it, and you will too. It's all so fresh, so delicious, and made with the cleanest, high-quality ingredients. Did I mention it all comes right to my door? So flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. I pick the menu and change it up what I order every time. The price is right, the quality is unmatched. I love it, my kids love it, the grandparents love it, and I know all you lowlifers will love it too. A huge win-win-win for my family, and it can also be for yours. Simplify your kiddo's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash lowlife and enter our code lowlife at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. When I'm dealing with some sort of conflict, an issue, and I am taking it personal, I am affected by it. Is it a healthy coping mechanism for me to put it in some sort of a box and deal with it later? just so I can get through the week or the day or the month or whatever, or or not even bring it up to the person and just kind of process it on my own. Is that a healthy approach or is that a bit fucked up? You know, that's a common experience when we feel hurt by something and we have that story again. We, we add a story to the raw emotion and we try to interpret it 
And then sometimes we come to the conclusion that I shouldn't be hurt by that and I shouldn't have this emotion. And then we start to feel guilty that we don't deserve to have the emotions we have. And so we are gaslighting ourselves like double time, telling ourselves that, first of all, I shouldn't feel the emotion I'm feeling. And now I feel even a stronger bad emotion that I'm feeling the emotion that I'm feeling. And then we we feel confused. And so, yeah, let's just compartmentalize and like not go there because that doesn't seem to be helpful. So with a radical emotional acceptance approach, you go, you know, straight into the emotion, you, you name it, you validate whatever it is, you separate out that story, whether it's, you know, am I personalizing it? Am I taking it personally when I shouldn't be? Well, we'll leave that aside for right now. And let's just validate, you know, I feel hurt. I don't know why I feel hurt, but I feel hurt by this. I feel sad. I feel disappointed. I feel embarrassed, whatever it might be. And then step three will have us look into the emotional wisdom, listen to the emotion. What, what is that teaching you? What is that truth about your felt experience showing you about that relationship or that situation? So you're no longer jumping into a story and then questioning if you should have this or not, but you're trying to be curious and learn directly from the emotions to then create a healthier or more adaptive story. Mm, okay, I get that. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Thank you for that little therapy moment because I could take that into my own life. All right, Dr. Wills, I have a lot more questions for you, but I know you are limited on time. So I want to make sure I get a rapid fire question round in with you. So without further ado, let's jump into a round of rapid fire questions. Hit it. First one up, cottage on the beach or a cabin in the woods? Cottage on a beach. Nice. Celebrity crush. Christina Ricci. Oh, I love that. Wednesday Adams, Christina Ricci, like back in the day, 90s, Black Snake Moan, Christina Ricci, or current day Yellow Jackets? Well, I think I fell in love with her the first time I saw her. So probably from back in the day when I was a kid. Yeah, I love it. If your belly button had a magical power, any power when you press it, what would you make your belly button do? I would be able to fly. What is your last meal on death row? Prime rib with mud pie for dessert. Oh, nice. (laughs) Wait, mud pie, is that like a pudding type pie? It's like this amazing like chocolate, coffee, ice cream cake thing. It's just to die for. I don't think I've ever had that. It sounds really good. Oreo cookie crust. Oh my God. I need to try that. When are you most inspired? When I'm on a mountaintop. Nice. What is a movie that's a mood changer for you? This is a movie you've seen a few times. Like the type of movie you can quote. I'm not going to ask you to quote it, but you get what I'm saying. Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Oh, great movie. I love that one. Are you familiar with the love languages? The five love languages? Have you heard of them? I gave that guy a boat ride. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was working uh, next door to Bill Gates' house on the Hood Canal, and he was a oh, guest casual. speaker for something. And my job was to give them a pontoon boat ride. So I gave him and his wife a boat ride. They didn't say a word to each other the entire time. It was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> wow, their love language was silence. <laughs> the five love languages, there's acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, and quality time. What's the way that you like to receive and give love the most? Receiving... Touch is good and quality time. Yeah. Giving not acts of service. I I don't know why. I'm not that guy. I I hate doing acts of service, but giving gifts or words of affirmation, I guess. Yeah. What is something that people commonly get wrong about you? Well, because I'm from Idaho, I think 
people think that I might be a Mormon or LDS faith. For some reason, people just assume that and they don't even ask. And I find it a bit odd. What are the top two songs on your playlist right now? I'm listening to this uh, New York jazz lounge, kind of 10 hour thing, just a bunch of jazz classics, instrumental. And there's this sub bass meditation heartbeat music, also just instrumental. Oh, cool. When you die and come back to this world, if you chose to come back to this world as an animal, what animal would you come back to this beautiful world as? Panther. A panther. Damn, you had that one ready to go. <laughs> Don't is know that why. Your, is that your favorite animal? It's always been my favorite animal for some reason. Yeah, they're beautiful. This podcast comes out end of the week on Thursdays. And so we like to leave the low lifers. That's what we call our listeners here, low lifers. We want to leave them with some words to live by, any quote that you have, something you tell yourself, or it could be from somebody else, but just something to go into the weekend. You know, on the cover of the book, there's uh, this really cool graphic of the, I call it the brain heart. It's got half brain, half heart, kind of connecting your emotions back to your mental life or whatever. So I've been signing the books, stay true to your brain heart. So that's kind of been my catchphrase lately. Stay true to your brain heart. Absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you for teaching us to embrace our feelings and actually give a fuck in life. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Low Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. We got some great episodes coming in hot for you, my kings and queens. You will not be disappointed. I'm so excited for future guests that I have. I have Jason coming back on the podcast. He's actually flying to LA in a week, which will be great. Jason Tardick coming in hot of my Canadian Maple Delight as well. I'm going to be doing some episodes with her. Jacob will be here next week. He's next week's episode. I love Jacob Petway because we have these deep dive conversations and talk about anything and everything. So next week, we're covering hand models, which is the whole world I knew nothing about. It's very interesting, actually. Hand and foot and leg models. Yes, it's a thing, and you can make bank doing it. So that's next week. We also talk about cannibals and weird shit that we've both eaten. <laughs> so yeah, it's a great episode. Can't wait for that one. I love doing this podcast. I'm having so much fun doing the show every week. But I wouldn't be able to put this show on if it weren't for you. If we didn't have listeners, the show wouldn't exist. And so thank you so much for tuning in every single week, sharing this podcast with your friends, your family, your loved ones. It really keeps this little shit show afloat. And the one thing that you could really do, besides using our sponsor codes, like that helps with paying my editors, producers, that whole thing. But aside from using the sponsor codes, a way you could really impact a show is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And these reviews could be anything you want them to be. You can leave a little dick emoji, salsa dancer, a unicorn. The more reviews, the better. They really do help with the podcast. Helps with the analytics, the algorithm. It helps with getting more sponsors for the show. It's a game changer and only takes a minute to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I have my low lifers who will drop a review every single week, leaving multiple reviews. Thank you for doing that. It really does make a big impact on the show. 
So to show my gratitude and say thank you for taking the time to do that and being a listener here, I'm opening the Low Life Gifting Suite. Well, it's been open and it's going to stay open for business as long as I can afford it. <laughs> as long as I, I can still fill that gifting suite with hyaluronic serums and send products out to you guys. I have Amazon gift cards, gas cards, gifts from our sponsors, masks, beauty products I'm obsessed with. There's so many good gifts. And so if you want a chance to win a little something, something, and who doesn't love free shit, all you have to do is leave a review in Apple Podcasts. So today I'm actually going to be sending out 10 copies of Dr. Alex Will's book. So if you want a chance to get a free copy of his book, all you have to do is leave that review, say something that you liked about the interview, or answer today's burning question, which is a random thought I have, but I'm very curious to know your answer. Is do you pee in the shower? (laughs) Do you pee in the shower? Yeah, controversial question because I was shocked when I was hanging out with my family to learn who peed and who did not pee and who was disgusted by the fact that I would even do that. Because truth be told, yes, I enjoy peeing in the shower once in a while. There's soap, there's water, it's going down the drain, but apparently that's like really nasty to some people. (laughs) My mama, the queen included, she was like, that's disgusting. I raised you better than that. So I want to know, do you pee in the shower? Let me know in the review section of Apple Podcasts. I want to shout out some listeners who have taken the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. These putas are the backbone of this show. We'd be nothing without you. So thank you for taking the time to do this. First one up is coming in hot from This Sucks Major D. (laughs) That's so good. That's his or her Instagram handle name. This Sucks Major D writes... I love low, five stars. This is definitely one of my favorite feel-good podcasts to keep me engaged and happy. Also, I'm a fellow manure and skunk smell lover too. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes, for loving the smell of horse shit and skunks. The faint smell, not like right up on it. Like this is a distant smell, like from a few miles away, little whiff of horse manure mixed with some hay. It's kind of nice. Also the smell of skunk. I don't mind it. Again, from a distance. Thanks for that review at This Sucks Major D. (laughs) Next review is coming in hot from at Canyon Cheer 90. Canyon Cheer 90 writes, I love you, low five stars. I love your podcast. I first heard of you on your favorite Mabel Delight Caitlin Bristow's show and enjoy listening to you every week. So relatable, fun, interesting, and I learn new things every day. I wanted to answer those questions from the previous episode and say that I would probably not do the 75 day hard challenge. Sounds really intense and would bend the rules a little to splurge sometimes, but it's all about consistency. Second, I haven't watched The Last of Us except for the first episode and I need to catch up. Some shows I love to watch right now is The Mandalorian on Disney Plus and I just finished Special Forces on Fox. I look forward to listening to you more every week and you're amazing. Love you, Lo. She gave me a little heart, wine glass, and a celebration emoji. Thank you for that, Queen. I haven't watched Special Forces on Fox. I don't even think I've heard of that show. Mandalorian on Disney Plus, I have heard of. And Pedro Pascal, that beautiful, delicious man, he is in that one as well. I just learned that. So I definitely want to check out Mandalorian, even though I'm not into like Star Wars stuff. That show seems to really do it for people. So I'm down to check it out. Thank you for that review, Canyon Cheer 90. I love you. We have time for one more review, and this one is coming in hot from at Tiffany Smith. Tiffany Smith. Oh, and I like the way she writes Tiffany. It's T-I-F-A-N-I Smith. Tiffany Smith writes, I'm down for a soft-boiled 75. (laughs) Five stars. Thursday's my mental health rating boost because I know I get to have my low fix. A little taquito with a kick. (laughs) I would give so much to have low narrate my Waze app. 
I have low isms in my head encouraging me on my commute in that soothing voice with a few breathy laughs thrown in. My heart. Great show as always, Lo. I'm dabbling in The Last of Us and I'm down for a soft, boiled 75. <laughs> There's already plenty of hard in the living. I'm realistic and my rebellious heart will not withstand the 75 hard restrictions. I've had the 75 hard app on my phone since before Halloween, but I haven't opened it because I'm scared. <laughs> Make me do it, Lo. I love you so, so much, puta. Thank you for that, Tiffany Smith. I'm okay with the soft-boiled 75. As long as you're trying to do something for 75 days, I feel like that's commendable in itself. And I didn't even know there was an app for this shit. There's a 75 hard app? What? I need to download that right now. Okay. And I haven't started the 75 hard challenge yet. So my goal is to start it next week. So again, if you're down, even if it's a soft-boiled, medium 75, that's okay. I'm down to do that too. But I'm going to try and do the actual like hard challenge. But again, if you're along for the ride, 75 days of doing something together, that's impressive in itself. So this is the motivation you need. Tiffany Smith, let's do it, queen. We're in it to win it together, boo. And on that note, I hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. Have yourself a delicious margarita. Binge watch a good TV show. Take a nice long shower in the dark. A shower with the lights off. Just light a candle. Oh, it hits completely different. It makes you feel like you're in a spa. I love it. Enjoy a shower. Apply your serums. Pour yourself a delicious glass of wine. But don't forget to drink your water, puta. I know you're thirsty. <laughs> we, we love, love you. you. And we're out. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>